Two Chocolate Cakes is a story of two cakes, bookended at the beginning of one life and at the end of another, and all the culinary and emotional layers in between those moments. Christmas Eve lasagna and Christmas Day beef stew. After my parents divorced, Christmas was split in half. Christmas Eve was spent with my mother and grandmother at my sister's apartment, and Christmas Day was spent with my father. After my last exam, I would drive from college straight to Kay's house. My mother vowed never to have Christmas at her house again. My father had ruined the holidays for her, but Christmas was always pretty important to my sister and me. Kay had a big apartment in a kind of rough neighborhood, and she made, made, worked really hard making Christmas special. Her tree was up long before Thanksgiving, and decorations covered every inch of her place. Her fridge was well stocked with the best champagne and beer, cheeses, and of course, Cokes for me. She had been out of the house for over 10 years when my parents broke up, and she used the opportunity to make Christmas at her house to her advantage. There was even a little tree in my room there. The holidays before the divorce were usually the same. Kay and her husband would arrive late, often right from their jobs at the restaurant, and usually a little drunk. My mother's resentment meter would be in the red by the time they got there, and Kay would work hard not to engage mom over the dinner table, while Ed racked up the empty beer bottles on the coffee table in the living room. My father just tried to stay out of it, usually hiding behind the newspaper or a book. After they would leave, my mother would slam around the kitchen for an hour or so while Dad napped. I cleaned up around the house until my mother calmed down. The Christmas at my, at my sister's put my mother on Kay's turf. Mom was always late. Kay's husband, Ed, was a chef at a kosher deli and a gourmet-to-go place, and he made most, but not all, of the meals for our dueling holidays. Usually prime rib or tenderloin or a kosher capon with all the fixins. Despite his many deficiencies, he was a really good cook. Kay set a beautiful table and used different silver and serving ware for each holiday dinner. For Christmas Eve, it was the china my mother gave her, and for Christmas Day, it was the dishes that Kay had picked out for herself. Ed started cooking and drinking early on Christmas Eve, and by the time dinner was over and gifts unwrapped, his normally quiet and accommodating demeanor was replaced by surly, angry, and drunken and more than once made inappropriate advances towards me when he thought no one was paying attention. Kay acted as a buffer between Ed and everyone else, and cheerfully filled glasses and plates and chirped happily while she gathered up the torn remains of ribbons and wrapping. Mom and Graham moved to the kitchen to help Kay and me clean up. When they saw that sink was overflowing with green beer bottles, they would whisper their concerns to Kay regarding Ed's drinking. That's about the time Kay would get upset with their meddling, and the party would just about be over when she started to defend her husband against the two women who had actually lived through two alcoholic husbands. I went to bed when Kay did. I didn't want to be left alone with Ed and his mean streak. Christmas Day, though, was markedly different. I usually stayed overnight at Kay's so we could wake up together in the almost dawn winter light and poke at gifts under the tree the way we used to when we were little. Ed usually slept late, and Kay and I had muffins and coffee in our nightgowns by the Christmas tree. We'd whisper and giggle and recount past stories, like the time all I wanted for the holidays 
was a slate chalkboard like the one the rocks had. Gifts of chalk, an eraser, and even an easel were under the tree that morning, but no chalkboard. I moped around the house all day. My father chuckled into his beer and reprimanded my long face and said that I could have the chalkboard for my birthday, five months away. After dinner, he asked me to get a sweater for him out of his closet, where I found the desired chalkboard. My delight with finding it was tempered with distrust. Would I have to count this as my birthday gift? And would I have to wait until May to play with it? My father was due up to K's at 9 a.m., but around 7, when we went out to get the newspaper, we would find our stockings, stuffed to the cuffs with small gifts and chocolates, hanging from the doorknob of Kay's apartment door. Fresh tire tracks in the snow out in the driveway was the giveaway. Dad would return two hours later with a dozen Dunkin' Donuts, minus two, denying any involvement in the stocking drop. Ed drank less when Dad was around, so the morning and the early afternoon of Christmas Day were far more enjoyable than the night before. Dad always brought a truck full of gifts, and Kay and I saved our big presents for each other until Dad got there. Dad would leave around one or two, around the same time Ed would be dipping into his second six-pack of Rolling Rocks. Several years, one baby, two drunk driving arrests, and two cocaine seizures later, Ed left my sister for the baker at the kosher market where he worked. Kay tried desperately to get him back to no avail, and just before the divorce was final, she and my niece moved to Providence, got a job at the university, and with the help of my parents, she and Alice rented an apartment three blocks from me. She faltered a few times, but being away from her ex-husband was good for her emotionally. Her confidence returned in fits and starts, and in just a few quick months, it was Christmas again. Because she had Alice and children just don't travel that well, Christmas was held in Kay's spare and chilly apartment. She had left almost everything behind. For the first time ever, though, the holidays were spent in the same town as me. The same rules applied. Mom came up for Christmas Eve, Dad for Christmas Day. Kay made dinner now. Lasagna for Christmas Eve and Dad's favorite, beef stew for Christmas Day. If she hadn't left her dining room table, my mother gave her, it would have been set with all the ragtag dishes and plates she borrowed from friends and purchased at yard sales. Instead, we balanced the plates on our laps in her small living room while Alice picked through the mountain of goodies wrapped under the tree. Kay's eyes were red and puffy and full of tears most of Christmas, remembering, I guess, the good times. Christmas Eve passed almost without incident. Mom arrived in the mid-afternoon, and Patrick and I were expected to run interference for Kay, so we were there for the whole day. Ed called long after Alice went to bed, and I answered the phone. Hearing his slurring, angry voice on the phone after six months gave me such an upset stomach, and Christmas Eve festivities ended long, not long after that. The next day, Dad arrived at his usual 9 a.m. time with stockings for Kay and Alice. As I helped him unload his truck full of gifts, the last one struck my eye. It was exactly the size of the one thing I had asked for for Christmas, a KitchenAid stand mixer. I asked Dad if it was what I thought it was, and he said, yes, it was. We waited until after the beef stew and after the cupcakes and after Alice's nap to open gifts, and that large package wrapped in a black plastic garbage bag was the last one. Since I already knew what it was, I suggested Patrick open it, but Dad stopped him and said that it wasn't for us after all. It was a new vacuum cleaner for Kay. 
He laughed and he said he had been pulling my leg before. I tried not to let my disappointment show. It was just a joke, and even though I had told Dad when he asked what I wanted for Christmas, I couldn't really expect that he would get it for me. He clapped me on my back and laughed. I laughed too, I guess. It was getting late in the afternoon, and Dad wanted to get back on the road to Connecticut. Patrick and I headed back the three blocks to our apartment where I cried frustrated at hot tears, and Patrick tried to calm me. I explained it wasn't a gift, it was the mean-spiritedness. He did not understand and said I was overreacting and that I had an abundance deficit, and I do not even know what that was. Kay called within the hour. She said, I saw it on your face, and offered to go out with me the very next day and buy a mixer with her meager savings and the check that she had gotten from Dad. I tried to explain again. It wasn't about the mixer at all. I know, she said, but I still want to get a mixer. We can share it. And they're on sale at Leechmere, she said, forgetting that I knew she already had one. Dad called the next day and apologized and said he was going to go right out and get me the mixer. I told him he didn't need to, but he was insistent. I didn't hear from him again on this subject, but from Kay I heard that after talking with Linda, he decided that they were too expensive and he wasn't going to get me one after all. Kay's Christmas Lasagna Eight ounces of lasagna noodles, two pounds of part skim ricotta, two bags of Sargento six cheese Italian blend, one pound of hamburger, one pound of bulk garlic sausage. If you don't have some of your own from scratch red sauce, get two jars of no sugar added prepared spaghetti sauce, one sweet onion, fresh garlic to taste, one bag of spinach cleaned and lightly chopped, and other optional vegetables. In a stock pot, saute the onions. When they are clear, add hamburger and sausage. Cook through. Add garlic, sauce, simmer for about an hour, adding additional sauce if necessary. In a mixing bowl, add ricotta, spinach, and other optional vegetables. Mix thoroughly. I used to cook the noodles, but not anymore. I haven't noticed any taste difference, only a difference in how I feel about making lasagna. Layer as follows in a pan of your choice. I alternate between these little individual loaf pans, which makes distribution to dad and others very easy, and one big loaf pan. Sauce, noodles, ricotta and spinach mix, Italian cheese, sauce, noodles, ricotta and spinach mix, Italian cheese, sauce, noodles, Italian cheese. Baked at 350 for about 30 to 45 minutes, depending on your pan choice, until top is brown and sauce is bubbly. Let stand for a few minutes while you gather your ravenous guests to the table. Dad's favorite beef stew. One third cup flour. One teaspoon salt. One half teaspoon black or red pepper mix. Two and a half pounds of stew beef. And ask the butcher for the good stuff. No cheap meat. Four tablespoons shortening, five cups of boiling water, one tablespoon lemon juice, real lemon juice, please, one tablespoon Worcestershire sauce, two teaspoons sugar, one large onion coarsely chopped, two bay leaves, one rosemary sprig, one pound baby carrots cleaned, one bag white niblets, frozen corn, six big potatoes peeled and chopped. 
Mix the flour, salt, and pepper and roll the beef cubes in the mixture. Shake off excess. Heat oil over a high heat in a heavy pot with a cover. When the oil is very hot, add the beef, about six to eight pieces at a time so as not to crowd them. Brown on all sides and then remove. When the last batch of beef is done, return everything to the pot and pour in the boiling water. Stand back. It will spit, sputter, and boil. Stir and add Worcestershire sauce, sugar, onion, bay leaves, and rosemary. Lower heat, simmer for two hours or until meat is tender. Add carrots, potatoes, corn, and cook until vegetables can be pierced easily with a fork. Serve with warmed French bread and a rich red wine. Thank you for listening. For more information about the recipes you've heard here, including author notes, photos, secret tips, and more, please visit twochocolatecakes.com. That's two, the word two, chocolatecakes.com.